0: So like many psychotherapists who've been doing this as long as I have, one of the first things that we try to do is to bring a sense of comfort to the children or adolescents and their parents or families or guardians as quickly as is possible. And one of the ways we do that is we very quickly talk with them about what to expect, about how we're gonna help the situation get better, and about their part it. or at least that's what a lot of us do. Because one of the biggest questions that we hear from family members is, okay, I brought my child in for counseling, now what? And if we don't hear it from family members, I would suggest to you that very often if we watch closely, look in that family member's eyes we're going to see that same question there so today we're going to imagine that you've taken your child for counseling and and you're wondering now what what's my part what do i do how can i help well as always we're going to answer that question in very specific ways to give you real actionable information hi i'm scott brown come talk to me So today I want to talk with you about what I would call the mindset for recovery. But in that, I'm talking about the parent or guardian or family member's mindset, not the child's mindset. So in essence, your mindset for your child or adolescent's recovery from mental illness. Now, the very first thing that we want you to do is we're going to want you to fight against self-condemnation. That's right. You fight against your tendency to condemn yourself. Fight against your tendency to say, what did I do wrong? Fight against your tendency to say, I messed this up, or I don't know how to be a parent. The fact of the matter is among all of us who have been or are parents, we have a unifying factor, and that is none of us know how to be parents. We just simply dive in and do it. And we do the best job that we can. Now, wouldn't it be nice? Wouldn't it really be nice if only the bad parents had kids who were mentally ill? That'd be handy. Then we could point out the bad parents and we'd have a good handle on that. That'd be fantastic. Right. Of course, I'm being silly because the reality is tons of kids who are really great kids from really great families struggle with depression or anxiety or other issues of mental illness. Just like tons of kids that really have struggled um, and uh, with with family issues and have families that have really struggled may have no discernible mental illness whatsoever. The human brain and mind are way too complex to link it to one variable and certainly we can't just link it to parenting. So the first step for you is to say, okay, I'm not going to beat myself up. I'm not going to blame myself. I'm simply going to say, what do I need to do from here? How do I make it better from here? And in doing that, then the second step is, is, is important because now you're ready to help your child fight self-condemnation. A colleague of mine in Boston, Steve Willis, Steve and I roomed together uh, about a million years ago on internship uh, did some fantastic research. He looked at people who are struggling with different mental illnesses, addiction and mood disorders and, and that sort of thing. and he he looked at four models of of, of how they saw their mental illness. So model number one was it 's my fault that i 'm sick, and it's my responsibility to make myself better. Model number two was it's someone or something else's responsibility that I'm sick and someone or something else has to make me better. The third was it's my fault that I'm sick and someone or something else has to make me better. And then the fourth one was someone or something else caused me to get sick. I didn't wake up one day when I was 12 and decide to be depressed or be an addict. And I have the power to take responsibility to help myself get better. And of those four models, Steve found that the last model, the people who believed that, people who had that mindset, if you will, got better faster and stayed better longer from their mental illness. That last model, something or somebody else got me here. Genetics, bad bad life events, bad uh, occurrences, loss. And now it's my responsibility to get me better. The beauty of that is that it says to the child, okay, you have the power. here. You have the ability to get yourself better. We're going to give you a direction. We're going to show you how to do it, but you have the ability to do it. You can take responsibility here. You can make a difference. One of the key things that I work for with children and adolescents is what I refer to as positive self-attribution of success. And that is when my therapy is done with a child or adolescent, I want that young person to be able to say, here's what I did not, not I, not Scott Brown. No, no. Here's what the child's saying to himself and about himself or herself or themself. Here's what I did to make my life better. And I carry those tools with me. So should I ever need them? I can use them again to make myself better. Terribly important. Third, communicate with your child's therapist. Communicate with them. Now, I'm fully aware that some kids and some therapists are going to want to meet alone without parent or guardian there, and and that's fine. Um, But that doesn't mean that that therapist shouldn't communicate with you. I'm also aware, though, that there are some therapists who don't do that. and I'm not here to tell them how to do therapy, but I will tell you that as a parent, I would not take my child to a therapist who would not communicate with me. At the very least, I would want to know things like, what kind of approach are you taking? How are you you going to make my child better? And I would want to be able to sit with my child and the therapist and say, okay, what's the arrangement? right? How much can you tell me? How much do you, you know, feel like you can't tell me what if my child is really thinking of harming himself or herself or themselves or someone else? Um, What do you do then? Oh, you tell me, okay, great. How do we handle that? Those kinds of things. Feel free to make yourself a good informed consumer. Feel free to ask your child's therapist questions, demand explanations. One of the key things I have always encouraged people to ask is how are you going to do this? Here's my child. My child's depressed. How are you going to make them better? How does it work? Well, how does the technique work? What techniques are you going to use? How does that approach work? How do I know that we're not just going to sit together and, and have warm, fuzzy talk and not really engage in specific techniques to make my child better? What techniques are you going to do? And then, parent or guardian, go learn those techniques. Buy the book. Look it up online. Go to a workshop learn the therapeutic intervention. If the therapist says acceptance therapy, go learn about acceptance therapy. If the therapist says reality therapy, go go buy the book by William Glasser. If the the therapist says cognitive behavioral therapy, go buy David Burns' Feeling Good. Learn the intervention yourself so you can help your child do it. Make sure that the child is doing things like uh, the homework that the therapist gives them. Make sure that the child's doing whatever exercises the therapist gives them. Do them with them. Really become involved in the process. And then finally, your child's all better. They're doing well at school. They're feeling good. They're back to themselves. Things are good. What do you do there? Do you just leave it? Do you just drop it? I'm going to suggest no. Uh, 1980 four or five, Marlet and Gordon published a book titled Relapse Prevention. The book was originally aimed at the uh, alcohol and drug recovering community. It was a series of approaches that says, okay, how do we, um, how do we, if, if we've recovered or are in recovery from our alcohol or drug addiction, how do we not go back? And Then by 88, 89, many of us were starting to say, wait a minute, this is excellent work, but it doesn't just apply to addiction. It applies to anything that we treat. And as that continued to evolve, another writer, Terry Gorski, added a lot of work uh, to, to this science. And one of the things that we like to do is we encourage you to take a look at seven areas of your child's life. Okay, seven areas. And just monitor these once a quarter every other month, major holidays, um, months with five Saturdays, however you want to do it. But every so often you monitor these areas that can let you know how your child's doing. The first area are situations. Now, situations are ongoing stressors. So problems at school, heavy, hard semester, junior year, um, stressors like kids at school who are not, not kind, uh, family problems can be a situation, um, money problems can be a situation. If those have come back, if those are present, if those are a part of your child's life, talk with your child about that. Take, uh, this whole process may take 20 minutes uh, a few times a year. Next are events. Now, these are one-time events or every so often events. Uh, Many years ago, I treated a young lady who um, had 13 years of uh, recovery from alcohol and drug addiction, and she uh, had not gone to her family reunions any of those years because her family did a lot of drinking, and uh, so finally she decided, you know what, I'm I'm ready to go. I'm going to be fine. I can go and, and not drink, and she went, and she drank, and so she came back in, and we talked and uh, she said i just don't think i can ever go to another family reunion and i said i think you're right that's the example of an event if certain events are difficult for your child if christmas time is difficult for whatever reason or if um a sibling's birthday is a difficult time um, then pay attention to that when those come up talk with your child about them. talk about how you're going to handle them or how you're going to avoid them whichever is, is best. The third is people. The third category of, uh, of relapse prevention areas is, is people. And it's real simple. There, there are people that your child will associate with his, her, or their period in mental illness. And it might be that these people cause it, or it might be that these people are just associated with it. But if your child begins to hang out with those same people again, then you need to be talking with them about it. You need to pay attention. Fourth, places. Did your child go to a specific place to use drugs? Did your child go to a specific place when he or she or they were depressed or anxious and if so, are they going to those places again now? Or if they started going back, pay attention, have that conversation. And then finally, thoughts, feelings, and behaviors. Thoughts. Are they thinking unhealthy thoughts? Are they thinking thoughts about self-harm? Are they thinking thoughts about using alcohol or drugs? Are they uh, not turning in their schoolwork? Are they unable to focus? Are they unable, unable to pay attention? Those Those kinds of thought issues. And then feelings. There are only four fundamental feelings in the whole world. Mad, sad, glad, and scared. Three of those are unpleasant. If one of those three are connected with your child's mental illness and that's happening again, pay attention. And then finally, behaviors. We talked about several behaviors in the episode before last. But are there certain behaviors that your child engaged in certain behaviors the child engaged in when the child was unhealthy? And if so, is the child engaging those again, the way they dress? Are they withdrawing from social interaction? Is their hygiene declining? If so, then we need to pay attention and we need to be talking about this. And as you probably remember, what we really look at are not just one or two of these happening, but are there three, five of of these seven things where there are uh, these these predictors reoccurring. If so, we pay attention. What do we do? We go back to our pediatrician and we say, hey, doc, we we got some of those things happening again. What do you think here? Now, the take-home message on this one for today, the take-home message is this. Parents be involved. Don't spend time condemning yourself. Don't spend time putting yourself down. Help your child move past condemnation. Be involved in the therapy. Learn the approach. Communicate with the therapist. And then after the child is better, every so often, a few times a year, monitor these seven areas, situations, events, people, places, thoughts, feelings, and behaviors to see how your child is doing. I'm Scott Brown. Thanks for coming to talk to me. Dr. Brown is a licensed psychologist. This show focuses on general parenting advice. If you are concerned that your child might have a mental or emotional illness, please seek help. Your pediatrician's office is a great place to start. Come Talk to Me is by Priority Care Productions. If you like today's episode, don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. To learn more, visit pcpeds.com or see the show notes in the episode description. Thank you for joining us, and join us again next week for Come Talk to Me.